Air Force veteran Kemet Bailey started his company, The Character Arc, to help people get through those life transitions. Coming up next, a veteran on the move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. I've had a Navy Federal credit card for over 30 years. Did you know that Navy Federal Credit Union Platinum Card gives members the chance to reduce their credit card payments with a low intro APR and balance transfers? Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, today we're talking with Kemet Bailey. He's an Air Force veteran and uh, founder of the Character Arc. So, Kemet, you got some really cool things in your background. Um, before we get to talking about business and entrepreneurship, take us back and tell us what you did in the Air Force. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for having me, Joe. Um, so, I was a cryptologic linguist in the Air Force. Uh, so, that's uh, in in the Air Force. That's AFSC is one and three, and uh, basically just. Uh, kind of a linguist. So you learn a language. I learned Mandarin at the uh, Monterey Institute of International Studies in California. Wow. Uh, and then after doing that for about a year and a half, uh, I was sent to Texas for a few months for more training. Uh, then I spent uh, three amazing years in Hawaii um, working out there. And then I spent my last year, because I did six years uh, total, mm-hmm. I spent my last year at Fort Meade in Maryland. Wow. Talk a little bit about what your transition out of the Air Force was like. Yeah, well, uh, it was atypical, I would say, uh, in that, you know, a lot of uh, folks who are in the intelligence field tend to go into contracting yeah. um, or, you know, government work of some kind. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't really too interested in that. So I ended up going a very different route. Uh, the process itself was uh, not too much trouble. You know, I feel like I had a pretty good transition experience, but uh, I felt like a lot of the resources that were provided for me, um, you know, by my command were just not really up to snuff. You know, they kind of tried to give us a little bit of a heads up about how you should dress for an interview and, and how you should, uh, you know, put your resume together. But uh, as I got out, I found that all of those pieces of advice tended to be a little outdated. Right. Um, so there was a lot of catching up to do when I finally did get out. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I got out when I was in Maryland. And instead of going and taking a job there nearby in the D.C. area, I moved to China for a few years. So that's why I say atypical. Wow. When you were in China, was that when you were working for Apple? Uh, no. So the first time I moved to China, I didn't have a job. <laughs> I, I knew one guy there. Wow. It was actually an army guy from, uh, who I'd met during my days at the uh, language Institute huh. and he had ended up becoming a jujitsu teacher and, um, moved to Beijing. And so I knew one guy out there and I went and, and stayed, uh, stayed in his guest bedroom for a few weeks while I got myself set up. Uh, it wasn't until a few years later that I got uh, picked up by Apple. <clears throat> I'll be darned. Um, and having, you know, fl- flying to Beijing and, in uh, Shanghai on a fairly regular basis with, with my airline job, which I haven't done in a few months now. But, um, <clears throat> one of the, one of the funniest things is to see a obviously non-Chinese person speaking Chinese fluently. So, um, I'm sure, I'm sure you surprised a few people over in China when you started speaking fluent Mandarin with them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty much everyone, everyone I spoke to for, for the whole four years I was there. Yeah. Uh, and, actually, uh, there's actually this thing called a second level language barrier, which is a, just what I use to describe the fact that people sometimes don't know what language to listen for. So even if they can understand you, they, they don't, they're not listening for Mandarin. So they're listening for English. And so I have to say things a bunch of times in order for them to know that I'm speaking Mandarin. Oh, no kidding. 
Um, so what, what kind of employment did you end up getting over there in China? I, I want to guess maybe something along helping people learn how to speak English, maybe. Yeah, you you, you nailed it. <laughs> that, was, that was the first. Uh, that was yeah. the first job I got. Yeah, so um, I was doing some English teaching, mostly tutoring. I picked up some tutoring clients, and uh, we would go travel around and do some language exchange. Um, they would like pay me, and I also get to see the sites because they'd want me to go and talk to them in English and you know oh, around cool. town. Um, but then uh, I moved on from that to doing some uh, martial arts instruction and some. I, I started a parkour program there that I ran for a few years. Um, I also worked for a video game company doing translation of their games from mm-hmm. Mandarin into English. Uh, I ended up working for a safety and rescue, uh, uh, pr- sorry, equipment manufacturer. So they made you know PPE for people working at heights, mm-hmm. and I was their regional trainer for East Asia. So I had a lot of jobs out there. I was there for three years in Beijing the first time, and uh, I bounced a lot between different uh, jobs. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, so continue on your your transition out of the Air Force. Um, you come back to the U.S. Um, eventually, you start working for Apple. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, I, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to like. I'm real curious. You know, Apple's one of those cool companies everybody wants to work for. So, can you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, well, you know, so after three years in uh, Beijing, um, I just decided it was time for me to come back and start getting serious about the next steps for myself. Um, so I came back to the States and went to grad school to get my MBA, which I did also in Monterey, um, right down the street from where I went to language school. Mm-hmm. And uh, after I graduated from there, I started a small uh, business that was doing PR consulting for uh, American businesses who wanted to do business with, you know, Chinese tourists, um, kind of helping them to attract their, their clientele. Uh, and while I was working on that business and uh, building that, uh, I actually was recruited by Apple. Um, I had a friend who joined uh, a team that they were just standing up that was uh, to help them secure their new products so that they just had some massive leaks um, of their in their iPhone line. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I think it was the iPhone 5C. Everyone knew what it looked like and what it was going to be before it even came out. And so they were like, we got to get a handle on this. And so they stood up a whole team called New Product Security um, full of uh, – people like myself, people who worked in the secret service, people who'd been in different areas of law enforcement to uh, help secure their, their, their supply chain. Interesting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I've always, I've always been curious how they have corporate security, like how they're able to keep a, a new product line coming out such a secret. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I imagine the, the best way to keep a secret is to let the least amount of people know about it as possible to begin with. Right. For sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a big piece of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, although that's really difficult to do when you have, you know, um, you know, your, your lines that are making the products are full of thousands of people who change, you know, jobs pretty often. And this is, you know, these are factories in China. They host, you know, they're almost like small cities. So there's millions of people who work there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's hard to keep that under wraps, especially because people are in and out all the time. So we had to figure out exactly what to do to make that work. Yeah. I didn't even think about the, the changing job thing. If you, you have your employees are obviously there's a certain amount of loyalty there, but if they're gone, then they're not really loyal to you anymore. So oh, yeah, yeah. There's not much loyalty, especially, you know, at that level that these are mostly factory workers. They're not getting paid astronomical amounts of money. So um, their loyalties pretty much lie where the money is. So we had to account for that as well. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so let's talk, what, talk to us about the character arc. What is, what is the character arc and what are you doing? Sure. Well, the, the character arc is kind of the um, the broad uh, heading for my, my business, which includes um, the courses that I create, um, includes my career coaching practice. Um, we're going to be starting to do retreats uh, fairly soon, mm-hmm. obviously, once people are able to travel again. 
Um, but it's really what I, the way I like to think of it is as a, a theater for change. You know, so the character arc is all about helping people through difficult transitions. Um, and so I, I refer to it as the character arc because we're all trying to reach some stage in our character development that goes along with our career development, that goes along with our relationship development. And so the character arc is there really to support people in the process of doing that, which is not something that they get usually in their daily day-to-day life. So I, I basically create systems and processes for helping individuals transition. Really? And is it, is it specifically in the context of transition, like a career transition or life transition, or you, you focus mostly on military? No, I think of transition more broadly. So um, mostly it's career transition. Uh, I, I work with military folks. I actually uh, provide discounts for military folks for my services mm-hmm. um, to try to give back a bit. Uh, but yeah, most of my clients are in the tech world. So people who've worked at Apple or are working in, in tech and they want to transition maybe out to be entrepreneurs or maybe they want to transition between companies. Um, and I also work with uh, people who have small businesses that kind of help them scale. Cool. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick sponsorship break. Uh, we're going to start talking some more about the character arc. We'll be right back. Hold on. In 30 years as a Navy Federal member, we've had many loans, mortgages, and credit cards through Navy Federal. Navy Federal Credit Union offers members great ways to lower their interest rates and save more. One easy option is to transfer your credit card balance to a new Navy Federal Platinum credit card and save with a low intro APR. Since it's Navy Federal's lowest rate card, the Platinum card is perfect for large purchases that you might need extra time to pay off. Another great way to save is by refinancing your auto loan from another lender with Navy Federal. Members save more when they refi with Navy Federal. Enjoy low rates and flexible payments and terms. Plus, when you refi your auto loan from another lender with Navy Federal, you'll get a $200 bonus. It's easy to drive off and save. At Navy Federal, members of the mission. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Insured by NCUA. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Refinance loan must be at least $5,000 to be eligible for the 200 2020 sure did throw us a curveball, didn't it? We've all had to make adjustments to our business. So how can your business plan for the unexpected? Having access to the right resources is essential for adapting your business. There's so much uncertainty now, and finding the right talent can be time-consuming, frustrating, and expensive. Fiverr has played a key role in all of our businesses since the beginning. Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses with freelancers, offering hundreds of digital services including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. We use Fiverr all the time. In fact, parts of this podcast are created from people we've hired on Fiverr. We also hire talent from Fiverr for our Amazon business. I'm always amazed at the quality of work we receive from everyone we've hired on Fiverr. Seriously, we've never been disappointed with anybody we've ever hired on Fiverr. It doesn't matter whether you're launching your first business, scaling your current business, or if you're in need of extra support to complete a project, Fiverr's global network of on-demand freelance talent is here to help. So check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my code VETERAN. You can find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com, my code VETERAN. Again, that's Fiverr.com, code VETERAN. All right, we're talking with Air Force veteran Kemet Bailey, so founder of the Character Arc. So before the break, Kemet, we're just getting just getting started on the Character Arc. So you're mostly focusing on you have some actual courses that you've developed for folks, and you also have some uh, some coaching programs, basically mm-hmm. helping people you know, in 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 one in one sense develop their character, but 
in in the context of uh, whatever transition uh, they might be, whatever life transition they may be in. So as far as veterans go, you know, the thing about veterans is we all will go through a transition at some point. Um, yeah. The difference the difference between military veterans and like your typical civilians is military guys know they're going to go through a transition at some point. They may not know when it's coming. A lot mm-hmm. of civilians don't, don't usually approach, you know, there's not that forced transition in the future, but they end up getting smacked upside the head with transition sometimes when they yeah. least expect it. So can you talk a little bit about philosophically from a, from a uh, 30,000 foot view of what, what kind of things have you discovered that people deal with in transition, whether it's, um, you know, things that trigger uh, them to take a total pivot in life and go a total different direction. Um, The things that, that trigger those. And also if they're going to do a total pivot, um, what are some of the things they need to start with and be aware of? Um, Yeah, well, I'll address this actually for your audience, maybe specifically in the context of veterans. I've had quite a few calls with uh, veterans and and worked with them before. Um, and one of the biggest things I see as far as, uh, veterans is concerned when they're going through their transition or beginning it is uh, a lot of selling themselves short. You know, uh, I'm sure you've, you've talked to people like this before and oh, yeah. maybe you yourself, but, you know, when people are leaving the military, you know, even after long of service that have, uh, you know, it's not where they've won, they've had awards, and a really illustrious career. Uh, they still feel like they have to kind of take what's available when they get out of service. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a sense of panic, like I'm not going to find a job. What if I don't find a job? And so they sell themselves short and they don't really look at the entire breadth of what's available to them. Um, and I think that's also true for non-veterans. You know, people, when they're about to transition, it's a scary process and scare you, uh, sorry, um, you know, processes like that tend to make us shrink. You know, fear makes us shrink back into ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so people start to start thinking small as opposed to thinking big, which is what you really should be doing when you're thinking about making a transition. Um, so with the coaching, it's really uh, about helping people to do that, you know. So I view myself a, a combination of project manager and like, you know. So there's the project of making sure people have the right mindset around the transition they're they're coming up on. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a project of actually, you know, figuring out what the next steps are, setting reasonable goals, moving towards them consistently, and both of them are kind of part of my overall process. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Do you find yourself having to um, make people aware of these things in the beginning? And once you, once you get them to buy into that concept, then it's a lot easier. Um, are, are most people like pretty clueless as to what they're getting into when they, when they're talking a major life change? Yeah. Very, very. And it really depends. You know, sometimes I talk to people who are like looking for a coach. So they kind of recognize that deficiency in themselves. Oh yeah. Uh, and sometimes I'm talking to people who maybe are, are not sure and they just want to find out more information. And for them, yeah, it's usually an uphill battle because all those things I just mentioned, those kind of fear-based reactions you have, usually they're invisible to you from the inside. Mm-hmm. So you just think you're being reasonable and conscious and careful with moving forward. But what you're really doing is kind of hamstring your ability to have something that you really would like to have happen. So definitely, yeah. Right. And talk, talk to us a little bit about what, what coaching is and what coaching is not. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, coaching, I think one of the misconceptions a lot of people have about coaching is that, you know, if you get a coach, they're going to guarantee you some kind of a, you know, outcome. Right. Um, and, you know, I think that that's not the case. So imagine, I like to think of coaching as a, we think of it in a sport, you know? So if you go start running track, you know, you have a track, that person's meant to make you stronger, make you able to compete. 
and get you to a higher level than where you are, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that is. Like, they don't promise you you're going to win state, right? They don't promise you're going to win, but they tell you that you're going to get faster, stronger, you're going to get better at what you do, and you're going to feel better about yourself. Uh, and all those things kind of create an environment where it's possible that you win state, you know, or that you win nationals. And so I view my job as a coach really be supporting people uh, like you would uh, in a sporting, in a sports, you know, kind of relationship mm-hmm. where I push and need it. And I also make sure people understand that they're taking steps that are valuable and that they're doing good work and that they should keep at it. So it's partially encouragement, it's partially pushing, and it's partially, like I said, kind of that project management piece where we're doing a lot of uh, masterminding to figure out what their next steps are. Mm-hmm. I think one of the misconceptions of coaching comes from most people view most people view coaching or mistake coaching for what for what they know as being as consulting like consulting in the business world and the difference, you know, the difference between a coach and a, and a consultant is the consultant eventually is going to give you an answer and pretty much advise you and tell you what to do. A coach is not ever going to specifically tell you, you need to do this. He, the coach is just going to help you arrive at, at those answers and, and pull those things out of you and, uh, you know, force some, basically forcing yourself to look in the mirror. Um, and coaching is a big, a big thing these days. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's a very popular thing. So, um, talk a little bit about some of your coaching experiences as, as a coach, uh, not, not being coached, but, um, and some of the things, some of the typical things that you see, um, most people as a coach, you probably see some repetitive patterns mm-hmm. in people that you know, need help with transition and, and uh, their pivots in life. So talk about some of those re- things you typically see in most folks. Um, yeah, you know, if I had to, Think of the patterns that I notice the most. Um, the number one pattern is that most people who are coming to me for coaching um, or you know are interested in learning more, uh, they think they have one problem, and it almost always turns out not to be the problem they actually have. Uh, usually, you know, so I, have, I was just working with a woman who was interviewing, and she was thinking that you know, her ability to interview was not very good. You know, like, and she wasn't sure why. What was the piece of the puzzle that was missing? Uh, and so as we started talking, what I realized was hamstring yourself in many different ways during the interview process, you know, leading up to it, afterwards beating herself up for not getting it, and all this kind of negativity that was surrounding the whole process. And when she was going into interviews, I could trust she was doing that with her. Um, and so for her, it was, you know, my job was really sure that she was seeing those patterns clearly and then, you know, avoiding those those pitfalls. Um, so she actually was, uh, was uh, got a job offer at Apple recently. So that was kind of a big win for her and for um, but that pattern is is everywhere. People think they have one problem, but it's a very narrow vision of the actual problem. It's much broader. That's interesting. Um, I, I I can totally see that. Um, how is it that? What, what kind of process do you go through um, to to identify that? Yeah, yeah. I actually use. It really depends on who I'm working with. You know, I like to wrap my process around the particular client. Nobody's situation is exactly the same. I can't just have a cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. I do have some general guidelines. Actually, um, for your listeners, I have on my website, thecharacterarc.com, uh, a free a freebie that's kind of a free resource that, that's a career decision map. And it literally outlines the process that I use um, for decision making and uh, you know, obviously applied to careers in this context. Mm-hmm. But it takes me really through all the steps that I, I like to go through. And the first one for me is uh, usually a lot for people, um, but it's, it's valuable. 
I take, I like people to focus on their values first, uh-huh. even before they focus on their need, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is odd because, you know, people are like, well, you know, I need to get paid a certain amount. Uh, I need to take care of my family. This is the most important thing. And, that, and that's true. But I've realized that a lot of times people will take jobs or positions that go against their values. It makes them not only miserable, but it makes the people miserable and it sets them up for another transition than they'd like. Uh, so you know, I start with values always. Then I move through needs and wants. Uh, I even go into personality a bit. Um, I think personality has a huge influence on the kind of work that you will do that will allow you to thrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like to understand what their personality is and where they'll run into opportunities and potentially barriers uh, in relationship to it. So yeah. that's kind of a, a broad overview of the process. Okay. Um, so your website is thecharacterarc.com? Yep, that's that's it. It's an arc with a C, not a K. <laughs> okay. Um, like a circle, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so... Uh, on your website are, are some of the court, you also have developed some courses. Um, t- tell me what some of the courses are. Yeah. So my, the first course I developed back when I first started the character arc was called uh, the character arc course. And um, that was really a kind of an elaborate on this, I, uh, this idea that I had a long time ago, actually in grad school, the ways that you can use fiction, <laughs> oddly enough for finding own values. I was kind of just talking a bit about how important I think values are. Um, I think the best way to get at your own values is looking at resonance. You know, what do you resonate with? You know, when you're, when you're looking at a story that you love, your favorite movie, or you're looking at someone you admire, you know, same thing. Um, it gives you hints to what is actually important to you. And then when you find that out, it actually helps you figure out what direction you want to move in. Uh, so the first course is called the character art course. Uh, I'm actually redoing that course at the moment. So it's not really live for folks, um, but I did just recently launch another course that uh, is a students course. So this course is on saving money, uh, which has been one of the things that's hugely helpful to me in my life, like transitioning out of the military, you know, knowing I was coming up on a trip, really like getting a good saving habit in order so that when I got out, I didn't have to panic and pick the first job that came along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and multiple times throughout my life when I've been transition, saving has been the thing that's allowed me to do it uh, confidently. Yeah. So can you give us like a little preview of the, the course? It's all about uh, saving money. Sure. Um, you know, I, I really just walk people through the entire process. So there's four modules in the course. It's, um, it starts with uh, the savings mindset. I kind of start busting a bunch of the myths that people have about saving, like, oh, I'm in too much debt to save, or, you know, I don't make enough money to save, or at the end of the month, I don't have any money left. Mm-hmm. I kind of break down why each of those is usually not true. Um, and I kind of take the first module to do that. Then I move into goal setting. Because I think when people have goals, that it actually helps them make their project of saving work a little better. So I walk them through a framework for setting good goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I move into just the nuts and bolts. And I kind of create a system that basically, that I use, like I said, for myself, uh, based on a system that my mother taught me. Um, it really just helps me to make my savings process automated. So it kind of happens in the background. It's And it's even like gamified. So that's fun, which seems unlikely, but it's true. Um, so the course kind of walks you through each of those uh, steps of the saving process. And uh, I, didn't, I really just created that recently because I was seeing so many people losing their jobs, you know, like with this pandemic. Right. Uh, what, unemployment is so crazy high. Uh, I know lots of people are in trouble because like 60% of Americans only have $1,000 in savings. So uh, I decided this could be something that maybe you would, be, uh, would find useful. It might be helpful to them. So I actually made it pay what you want. So it's not really a money-making course for me. 
you know, you can pay a dollar if you want to, but it's just something to maybe help uh, people get through this time. Huh. That's cool. Um, yeah. If, if there's somebody out there that's interested in like creating a course, um, they, they got some knowledge about something. What, what kind of process did you go through to actually create your course and, and what platform and software and stuff like that did you use? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's tons of stuff out there now, yeah. you know, courses are huge. So uh, right. a lot of people, uh, there's tons of offerings. Uh, I haven't actually used all of the different technologies, so I can't really say which I think is the best. My first course was actually just passed together. You know, I ran it uh, through web pages on my website um, and, and email. Mm-hmm. So a combination of those things kind of walk people through the process. Uh, what I would say is that if someone wants to start a course now, they can obviously find a software that'll do that for them and automate it. Um, depending on how much they want to pay, that'll cost. But I think the most important thing is to make sure you have your idea in a consumable form before you worry about the technology. Mm. So that part of it's pretty easy to solve with a Google search or two. But having a clear kind of a like a framework for what your course is going to do and how it's going to do is half the battle. And once you've got that, the rest of it is kind of plug and play. Right now, I actually run my course, uh, the savings course, off a free plugin called Tutor LMS. And it kind of creates just a course page inside your website that lets people uh, add themselves to members and uh, has all the videos and audios and, uh, and text that go to the course. Okay. It's just a word, just a WordPress plugin for yeah, your website. Right. It's a WordPress. Okay. That's cool. Um, have you, uh, w- w- what experience have you had with masterminds? Um, not a lot. Like uh, I, I have actually participated in a few. Uh-huh. Kind of uh, not formally, uh, but I have some friends. I've been fortunate enough. I live in uh, Portugal now. And there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs here, foreigner entrepreneurs. Here. Huh. So it's pretty easy to find other people to support a support network of other. Right. And so with a few of them, we'll do masterminds. You know, they also are course creators, mm-hmm. um, and so we'll, you know, weekly get together and and honestly, what we'll do is we'll go through the process that I often with my clients with coaching. You know, we'll say, well, okay, what is it that we're trying to achieve? And then what is the thing that will move us forward miserably the most this week? And then we commit to doing that thing. And then the next week we rinse and repeat. Awesome. Um, talk, what's your opinion or if, if you had to give some advice to somebody that's still in the military, they're looking at, they're, they're in the transition here soon on the way out. Um, one thing that most veterans, I know I definitely didn't think about it. Um, actually, I probably would have hired a coach if I knew of one that was available. Um, but talk to talk to those folks about the advantages potentially of hiring somebody like you, you know, or hiring a coach to help them with their transition plan. And I'm not talking about hiring um, hiring a, uh, a headhunter to help them find a job. I'm talking about an actual you know, you know, call it a life coach, I guess, um, or transition coach, if you will. So it talks yeah. to somebody what, what the advantages of actually having a personal coach as they're getting out would be. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think that, uh, there are a lot of advantages uh, if you find the right coach. Uh, I think that that's, that's the most important part is finding someone who you can work with. Um, you know, I think that sometimes you may, you know, see a coach who's very successful, but when you talk to them, you realize that you don't have a rapport that's going to allow you to really make progress with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so find, you know, you like, or at least who you think will push you in the right way is important. Um, but I would say that, you know, when I talk to military folks who are um, in a coaching context, 
Uh, like I said, one of the biggest things I see is people selling themselves short. You know, I see them um, going for jobs that are well below their skill level, you know, well below like the level that they could actually achieve. You know, I've seen people get out of the military and go straight into Apple. I've seen people get out of the military and go straight into Apple. But more often than that, I see people getting out and they're kind of you know, scouring USA jobs day after day and finding nothing because you don't get jobs on USA jobs, you know. Uh, so I think that having a coach helps you understand peace. And especially if you're in the military, one of the things you don't have experience with usually is uh, navigating kind of a commercial in the civilian world. Mm-hmm. So it really is invaluable to have someone in your corner who can say, oh, no, don't, don't do that. I know they told you to do that, but don't do that. Uh, so I think really it's kind of a good uh, way of kind of pathfinding. Cool. Well, so, so Kim, you mentioned your website is thecharacterarc.com, arc with a C. Um, you're obviously uh, very entrepreneurial minded. You got the entrepreneurial thing and you're living in Portugal. That's pretty cool. Surrounded. I didn't realize Portugal was kind of an entrepreneurial. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of entrepreneurs there. Yeah. That's cool. So um, if you're talking to, you know, the same person again, who's looking to transition out, doesn't really think that corporate America or going out and getting the typical job is for them. What kind of advice would you have for them along the lines of starting their own business? Yeah, well, um, subject very close to my heart. So uh, I, I think that if you want to start your own business, that you got to get organized. You know, first thing you got to do, got to save. I mean, that that's a big one. Again, to harp on the same reason I made the course, saving is the thing that gives freedom to actually go after something that maybe is a typical dream. If you don't have savings, you need to find a job. And so, being an entrepreneur is all about having the to go do something a little. Uh, Know, offbeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd say yes, one. And I also say that it's it's really important to clear about what it is you want to do, and then make a plan. You know, so I think a lot of people have great ideas, and uh, they stay stuck in this idea space where they're like, "Oh, I've got this great idea, great idea, great idea," and then like the rubber meets the road, and they're like, "I have no idea how to implement this. I don't even know if people want it. I don't know how to put it together. I don't know the technology. There's a lot of moving pieces." So uh, I think starting to you know as early possible turn your idea an actual plan with like concrete next steps mm-hmm. is the only thing that will let you successful in implementing that plan and actually bringing your your business to, to fruition awesome well hey kevin uh, thanks for sharing uh, your entrepreneurial success and your transition story out of the air force you did some really cool things um again if uh, if somebody's interested in getting getting a hold of kemet i guess the best place to do is find you on the website uh, thecharacterarc.com yeah, you can find me there. Uh, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn also, if you just look under my name. I have lots of video content, and uh, all my resources are usually posted there as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so speaking of LinkedIn, do you find, um, like I, I typically say, uh, LinkedIn is all business, Facebook is all BS. Um, do, do, you have, <laughs> do you find some pretty good engagement on LinkedIn as far as entrepreneurial and business-minded folks? Yeah, I mean, it's really the only place to be. I agree with that sentiment that you just stated uh, <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah. Facebook. I'm on Facebook as well. You know, I have a presence for the character arc, where I really, um, you know, do the most business and I feel like have the most effect and have the best kind of interactions is on LinkedIn. Uh-huh. Uh, and for your veteran audience uh, or for your transitioning audience members, uh, it's a great place also to make direct contact with the people who are stakeholders in the organizations that you're interested in. So it's a, it's really great all around. Absolutely. Matter of fact, a great LinkedIn trick is like, uh, I don't know if you if you were on your transition out and you like 
and Apple's probably not the best example, but if there was some, if there was some company that you knew you kind of wanted to go work for, or you're interested in, you would just go up to the top and type in Apple. And obviously most people that work there are probably going to put that in their profile somewhere. So you can all these people that show up, um, you know, if it was a smaller company, um, maybe a small, more of a family type company, you could type in that company name and find people that actually work there. Exactly. Just establish a relationship. Don't go say, Hey, I want to come work there. Can you help me get a job? Don't, don't start yeah. with that. Don't ever lead with that. So yeah, yeah. make friends with them, ask them what it's like to work there. Just ask lots of questions, you know, and, and develop a relationship. And then eventually like, well, would you want to, you know, eventually they'll, Hey, would you want to come work here? Like, yeah, as a matter of fact, I would, that sounds cool. Mm -hmm. You might even find out that's not, that's not where you really want to work. So exactly. Yeah. That's fantastic advice, Joe. Really, actually, what I was, I was speaking to quite a few veterans about a month ago. I did another program, and afterwards, I had a lot of conversations, conversations with vets, and I found that they were having this kind of fear reaction to networking because networking is kind of one of those scary buzzwords. And they were thinking, well, it means I got to go out and say, hi, I am interested in working in your organization. And it's like, that is exactly the wrong it's way. It's the opposite of networking. The opposite. <laughs> like, listen, listen, listen to Joe, everyone who's listening. <laughs> Yeah, we, we've talked, we didn't talk much about networking uh, here in your interview, but we talk about networking all the time on the show. And it's uh, um, a lot of veterans don't typically understand the, the concept of networking. It's not, um, I think the best way to describe networking is if you're talking with lots of people and you have no idea how this person may help you out in the future, then you're doing networking properly. If you're yeah, only yeah. networking with somebody who, who, you, who has something you want, then you're not really networking properly. I agree. I typically something's going to come from someone you're not expecting it to come from. And, and if you're, so if you're networking correctly, that that's, that's the right way to do it. So. Exactly. And if you're doing it correctly, that's how people get jobs. Exactly. People, like you said, people don't get hired off of USA jobs and they don't get hired off the resume. They get hired through networking and who, you know, Hundred percent, absolutely. All right. Well, Hey, Kemet, uh, it's been a great interview. Look forward to your future success. Um, on the character arc.com and uh, have to check out your, your website and some of your classes and coaching program. If, if you're on your transition out of the military, man, Kemet, Kemet be a great coach for you. So look him up. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free. I, I do give free discovery calls if anybody wants to talk at any time. And like I said, I have, and I want to say thanks very much, Joe, for having me on. And also, you know, thank you for your service and for, for this community. It's uh, really helpful. You bet. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm just, uh, um, I just, I just love talking to, to veteran entrepreneurs and you know, I can do it all day long. And so it's just, it's a lot of fun for me and uh, it's a great way to build a network. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure is. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right, Kemet. All right. So these two veterans are Oscar Mike. We're out of here. All right. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.